businesses have opportunity to actually touch people in so many amazing ways. But over the years, because businesses started to get so focused on profit maximization, that's when the businesses started to create some challenges in the long run. But at the same time, businesses also start with the idea to solve people's problems. So if we could just align something in the business world, maybe businesses could be the real change maker in creating the positive change rather than just creating lots of negative change. Hello, and you're very welcome to the Life Well Lived podcast. Uh, that voice was Masami Sato, and Masami is the guest on this episode of the show, which I'm just so, so excited to bring in, so very, very happy to have shared some time with Masami. Um, before I start the Life Well Lived podcast, it's all about navigating the challenges of life, being or becoming our best selves in the world, and, and overall living whatever it is that adds up to our own life well lived, one of fulfillment, uh, of contribution, of happiness, of positive impact. Uh, and I think that Masami Sato fits, in, fits very, very comfortably in uh, the concept of what I'm trying to do with life well lived because she is, without a doubt, living her own life well lived with her business, her social business called B1G1, which she's going to explain so much more about over the next hour or so. Um, I first encountered, first came across Masami Sato at an event in Manchester in the UK shortly before Christmas 2018. If you've listened to my podcast uh, in previous weeks or if you've read my blog, you might have heard some, some things that I say repeatedly or I have repeated at different times over the last uh, one to two years. One of those is that I feel as people, as humans, that we have a sixth sense for the truth, that when we hear the truth, when we hear something of deep integrity, that we recognize it deep down inside. And that is exactly what I experienced when I heard Masami speak in her quiet, uh, quiet and humble way, but with her very obvious drive to make the world a better place, to improve whatever aspect of the world it is that she can improve. So yeah, so I'm just very, very excited to bring you this episode. I, I was just very, very privileged to share an hour with Masami, and I'm delighted to be able to bring it to you. So I would love to hear what you think. I'd love to hear what you what your thoughts are on on Masami, on what she's all about, on B1G1 as a business, as a social business that is helping small businesses all over the world make massive, massive impact. So without further ado, on with the show and this week's guest, Masami Sato of B1G1. Enjoy. Masami Sato, it's wonderful to have you on the show. I'm going to talk a lot. Of, I'm going to invite you to talk a lot about B1G1 and its origins and all of that, and talk about the world of business, the world of work, how business might be able to solve some of the problems we have in the world. But before we get get to all that, if we could rewind and inv- invite you to talk a little bit about yourself, about Masami Sato, where 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 in the world did you come from? What was your what was your childhood and upbringing like, Masami? Mm. So from my names, um, some of you listening might guess where I'm from. I'm from Japan, and that's where I grew up. And um, so, well, I, I was one of the lucky ones. You know, when I was younger, I had a um, opportunity to to travel around the world, which was um, really amazing. And being a very modest and also quiet, uh, conservative, you know, um, a a Japanese person, when I was growing up, um, I never thought I would be doing what I'm doing today. (laughs) But... um, yeah, um, I've, I, I used to be this like a scared little person who uh, couldn't, you know, talk, speak in front of people, uh, never mind in my own culture. So um, being, uh, uh, you know, traveling around the world and connecting with people, working with people from around the world, it's an you know, amazing um, experience for me. But I guess like um, what took me to here today is that, time I had when I was younger, where I had really literally nothing, you know, I couldn't speak English, and I didn't have uh, much money. But then I was being this vulnerable person traveling, and connecting with people. That's when I started to actually see new things, and be open to the possibilities um, that the world offered. 
And, uh, you know, through that time, I started to question why it is that there are so many problems in the world. And uh, then eventually, I became a business owner. <laughs> because for me, um, starting and running a business was one way for me to do something about what I saw. And uh, then uh, out of that, being a business owner, wanting to make a difference, but didn't know, like felt so small and powerless to make something big, I um, founded the idea of B1G1 by one give one. And uh, so I'm the founder of B1G1 today, which is a global giving initiative, which works with over two and a half thousand businesses from around the world. And now we help businesses to give in meaningful, effective and connecting ways. So um, I guess like just explaining B1G1, if you imagine the world where everything you do makes a difference through the buy one, give one, one for one concept, that's what it is. So um, it could be you, know, you going to a cafe and buying a cup of coffee. And as a result of it, a child receives access to water or, you know, when an accounting firm create a new client, they decided to give and educate a child. And so we are working with businesses and connecting their everyday to, you know, business activities with meaningful giving opportunities. That's what we do today. Um, Excellent. It, yes. And, and I, I, I want to get into a lot of that in, in detail about the the mechanisms of how B1G1 works in practice. But in your travels around the world when you were, when you were younger and the problems that you saw, could you talk through any kind of any specifics of any kind of countries you visited or any, any um, hardships or struggles you may have noticed during those times that kind of alerted you to, to the reality in the world out there? So I started out um, living in Canada, and that's where I studied English. And it was an amazing experience because even though I couldn't communicate that well, people just accepted me for who I was. And, uh, um, and as a result, I realized that connection and communication wasn't just about having the right, right words. Um, so that gave me a start of... Um, my you know, traveling time and then I started to go to countries like Central America you know Guatemala Costa Rica um, and uh, I started to meet people in very different circumstances because the people in Canada were you know even though they looked and uh, they, they looked different and they spoke totally different language but they were living in seemingly similar standard of you know living so when I started to travel in so-called more developing countries, I started to see the reality of life was quite different. You know, that things that I wouldn't see in my own country were accepted as the norm, like you know, kids um, even like begging on the street and not going to school. Uh, or people with severe physical challenges, um, like disabilities, they weren't receiving any support from anybody and uh, making ends meet. And so I just didn't know how to deal with, with that, those realities. And, you know, if those things were happening in my own country or community or family, then we wouldn't let those things happen. But things were happening. And um, so I was initially feeling very challenged by that because I didn't know, even though I felt confronted by that, by the, but I didn't know what to do or how to fix those challenges. So my way of dealing with that at that time was to just accept it because it was happening and I couldn't change that. So instead of judging and feeling bad about it, it was how it was. And I still try to just to be open and connect with anybody in so many different circumstances. And then what I started to realize was that maybe we were actually all the same in some ways that we all cared. We all, all cared about our families, our friends. We wanted to create um, more joy and happiness in our own life as well as in the lives of those we cared. So 
Yeah, so that was like my earlier life and starting to question, you know, what it was really happening and why those things were actually happening, even though I didn't know how to fix them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, you, you told a story in the event that I heard you speak at in Manchester in the UK in December. You told a story um, about when a period in your life that you kind of retreated away from the world mm-hmm. and that you, f- you felt that that was, that that was something that you, you didn't want to participate in kind of the corporate mm-hmm. or consumer world and you retreated a bit. Could you kind of explore that or tell that, tell that story a little right. bit? Yeah. So when you see those, uh, pic- you know, the picture of the world and then you start to judge, then, you know, um, through the judgment, like because I was judging the world and I thought the businesses were the source of, the evils and so I thought that one way to not to be part of that is not to be sucked into consumerism and then because I was very you know simplistic at that time and I thought like you know it's either black or white <laughs> so I decided not to buy anything and that step toward that was to create a totally self-sufficient life so I um, thought if I learn to create a self-sufficient life, then I create no harm anymore. So then I um, decided to move to countryside in Japan. And then uh, I worked and lived with local farmers um, and uh, you know, tried to uh, make everything by myself, you know, such as growing food to uh, doing you know, even pottery or how to build a house or you know, all sort of things. And I spent about two years actually exploring the idea of creating total self-sufficiency. Um, and, and, and it's amazing when you do things like that, then you learn so much, you connect with people in a different way. But at the end of those two years, I came to an a interesting realization. And that realization was that actually I was wrong because I could not create a self-sufficient life because no matter how hard I tried, it wasn't about me trying to be totally right. It was more about understanding how connected, how deeply connected our lives were. So even you know, living in a natural way, I still had to use tools or I still had to sometimes buy things or sometimes um, you know, receive things or exchange. Or, so there were lots of um, things happening to make my life better but I was just judging and seeing the world through very judgmental eyes. And then I realized it was wrong. So that kind of gave me an opportunity to realize that it's, it's really not about trying to be totally right, but it's about really understanding that, you know, we are, the, we are all the same. We are all trying to, to create good life for ourselves and you know, everybody else. Um, but I thought maybe something outside, like let's say the mechanic, mechanism of the world or how things were connected, maybe those things um, uh, needed to be aligned a little bit more so we could express those desire to you know, share their joy and our caring with others. So that, that, was kind of, that took me to the next stage of my life. Um, and, what, and, and what was that? To be a business owner. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, so I'm interested. So, explain to me that that process because I think a lot of people um, there are there are so many development charities, social enterprises, for want of a better um, phrase, and various things around the world where where people work almost on the front line, um, whether it's uh, development or um, or medical or whatever whatever industry sector they can work on the front line in developing countries. But you 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 didn't go down that route. You kind of went a different route of the of, of business side. So, what, what, what was your what was your thinking in terms of in terms of business being a vehicle that could that could deliver um, positive change to the world? Yeah, uh, to me, um, well, actually, um, when I was little, I grew up with um, and spent time with my grandparents a, a lot. And they were business owners. <laughs> they had their own little family business and they were running a little shop. And I learned a lot working in that business. 
um, just as a little girl. And uh, you know, through that as well, I realized that businesses um, touch the people every day. And somehow, like, you know, when we look at the, uh, the problems in the world, the easiest thing to say is, oh, here's a problem. We have to fix it and go and fix it. And then in order for us to fix it, because we cannot do it sustainably, you know, just by fixing those problems every day, we go and ask for donations. So that like a charity model um, is a very like a common and also uh, the model that makes sense <laughs> in order for organizations to fix those problems because there's no money in that. And so you got to go and ask for donations for the good work that they do. But at the same time, there is a challenge of sustainability. So if you look at the business world, what happens is businesses are focused on, you know, in a way solving problems because they are about providing values and solving somebody's problem. <laughs> but at the same time, because the problems that they solve or value they bring is highly appreciated, that there is a financial resources that comes in, that gets created. And as a result, the businesses are able to provide that value to a greater number of people as they grow and succeed. So I liked the idea of actually having the you know, um, growth and uh, uh, financial you know, sustainability model in business. So if I, I realized that if I became a business owner and grew my business and as a part of it, many problems are solved, then that is a way for me to express you know, that solution in a, in a greater way. And so that's why I chose business. And then another thing is like, if you look at the, what businesses can do is amazing because businesses can do the things that uh, nothing else can do. So for example, government um, can exist to provide greater you know, opportunities and uh, uh, capacity to people you know, through education and so on. But there are so many things that government cannot do, but businesses can. And uh, you know, reaching out to some of the most remote places, like uh, it, it, sometimes like we are so amazed because you, know, you go to these like, remote um, rural villages where uh, no support is available, but then they could actually go to a little you know local vendor and buy a bottle of coke and then you go like why how, how did coke get there <laughs> mm. and it, it, it happens beyond any you know cultural or religious you know all sort of differences that we have even language barrier and so businesses have opportunities to actually touch people in so many amazing ways but over the years because businesses started to get so focused on profit maximization that's when the businesses started to create some challenges in the long run but at the same time businesses also start with the idea to solve people's problems. So if we could just align something in the business world, maybe businesses could be the real change maker in creating the positive change rather than just creating lots of negative change. So for me, in my own little way, I liked, you know, I loved food. So I went into food business because that came to me very naturally. And then I said to myself that when this business becomes successful, I will give. And so that was the premise like, that I had when I started my very first business um, 18 years ago. <laughs> and and tell, us, tell us a little bit about that business. So you, you, you say it was a food business. What, what, what exactly was it? Where was it? What, did, what kind of um, products or services did you sell? Yeah. So at that time, I was living in New Zealand um, in Christchurch. And that was uh, when my daughter, so I, you know, my first daughter, child, my daughter was three months old. So having three months old baby, um, it's probably not the best time to start a business. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I felt at that time, um, after thinking about it, I, I felt that it was the best time to start a business because 
when I thought about, you know, when you, when you become a parent for the first time, it's very emotional experience because you never experience anything like that. And uh, for me, when I looked at this little thing in my arms and realized that I was almost the only person to be able to take care of her and make sure she's safe and she has the great opportunity. And so that strong desire and a strong sense of love and um, deep sense of connection really reminded me of the time I connected with some children who didn't have a parent, who were living on the street. And, and even though I felt powerless at that time and didn't know what to do at that time, when I realized that maybe my daughter could have been any one of them, like, you know, those kids, um, then I thought, well, actually, I wanted to do something about it. And it's okay that I cannot change the world. But if I could use my life to do a little bit more than just taking care of my own family, then I would do that. So, so that's when I started to go into business. And with a three-month-old baby on my back, I um, were, you know, started to run this uh, fast food, takeaway food bar. And then that eventually turned into uh, frozen, um, healthy eating, uh, gluten-free meals, um, production you know, company and we uh, had that in Australia so we moved to Australia to expand and you know here I was um, in a commercial kitchen uh, producing food and uh, that business was providing um, food products for more than 150 retail stores in Australia so in the first like let's say five years of development of my own business um, the business was growing bigger, but then there was at one point of time, there was this realization that when, you know, you are running a business and growing small business, you are always too busy. So even with the intention to give, um, I wasn't doing really anything because I was always too busy. And uh, yeah. And then as a result of it, this idea of buy one, give one, um, was born because I realized that you know it's so easy to say when I became when, when I become successful I would do something big but the thing is when is it that you know success actually comes <laughs> yes yeah yeah and so 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 explain to me the process of how you came up with the, the, the so, so buy one give one is something that um i've seen um di- different types of businesses that mm-hmm. kind of have this um ethos or, or, or model um but you, yours is is very particular and very um developed take me through the the, the ideation process of how the idea came about mm, so the idea was actually actually idea actually came to me in 2006 so that's um, like 12 years ago or you know, more than 12 years ago. And uh, um, so that kind of turned the thought of one day I would make a difference to what if we just gave them one meal for every meal we sold. And so that's their you know, concept of buy one, give one, one for one. And at that time, I think Tom's Shoes, you know, which is one of the well-known buy one, give one, or one for one models mm. uh, was born around the same time. But then, you know, I didn't, we didn't know about Tom's. Um, but then th- this, like, uh, tra- it's so-called transaction-based giving uh, is now, you know, a little bit more known because of, you know, several other companies doing it in a more bigger scale. And, uh, but then for me, the power of buy one, give one wasn't necessarily really the, the about matching what we, what the businesses sell um, with the exact thing that can be given. Because, you know, yes, like Tom's shoes case was a typical also one for one, you know, buy a pair of shoes and you get to give one pair of shoes or, my for my business too, buy a meal and give a meal. So it was more typical one for one. But then I also 
um, realize that there are so many businesses that may not work with this that well if it was a typical one-for-one. -one. So, for example, today we have an accounting firm educating a child, and for companies like accounting you know, firms, for them it's very difficult to see this like one-for-one -one model in terms of do this and then give this. And, and because sometimes it's not like a fixed product that they are selling. Um, but what we wanted to do was instead of going with the one-for-one -one idea of you know, give the things that business is selling to really think about the problems in the world, like what are the things that could be solved? What are the real tools or opportunities or things that um, these experienced NGOs can do more of to really solve the root causes of many complex issues together. And then based on that, the businesses can say, oh, our company really resonates with environmental causes or oh, we want to help people with health challenges. Or So every business or every business owner has different ideas or desire to make an impact in their own unique ways. So just by making giving very tangible and um, you know, clear. So instead of like, let's raise $2 million to build a school, which is very difficult to do for one company, but we list the project. So we work with a lot of NGOs um, with great experience and making an amazing impact on the ground to say, okay, these are the activities that's really making an impact. And we know the cost breakdown of those activities. So we can break down the cost of educating a child for one day with this particular program. Uh, and it's cost of 27 cents. Or um, uh, we know exactly how much it costs to plant one tree in a forest in Borneo so that tree can you know, work in protection for Olangtan. So then it costs $3.50 or so. Everything that we list on the B1J1 project listing um, is broken down into a tiny micro giving unit. So any business can say, well, actually, when we create a new customer or when we complete a project, or when we send out an email, even, <laughs> we will give this. And so um, it just doesn't have to be even you know, tied to a particular sales. If business want to celebrate, uh, sending an email as one thing or uh, you know, completing team completing a project is another thing, then they could actually tie all those little milestones and successes and their gratitude with something that makes a positive difference in the world. Amazing, yeah. Um, and t tell me a little bit about the, so the, w the way business has worked traditionally mm -hmm. uh, in the past um, ha has been, I guess, limited in the way of we, the, explode, the opening up of technology that we have now, the, the communications infrastructure, the ability to um, communicate and see in real time all over the world is, is, is still really new, I suppose, like maybe 25 years ago, but really only in the last 10, 15 years is it, is it um, kind of embedded or central to every business, the way every business operates. But they, talk a little bit about the opportunity that that creates in terms of helping business deliver deliver positive impact in the world. Mm. Well, yeah, I think there has never been time like this. And uh, we use this expression called the power of small. So, yes, it's... You know, easy to say that in order for us to create a big impact, we have to do something huge and big and ambitious. Or, um, but the thing is, the real um, sustainable change we feel that will come from the power of small, and that's how we um, focus also focus on working with small businesses because. In so many cases, small businesses are left out you know, because big companies already have a lot of budget to set up a CSR department or they can run a big campaign and involve a lot of people or they have a professional marketing you know, team to create a beautiful graphic. Or, so they have that capacity. 
But the small, small ones, small businesses, whilst they are actually doing something very meaningful every day, serving their customers, touching lives, but at the same time, they are the ones that get so busy. <laughs> Everybody's busy in the small business, and also they might not have so much capacity or so much money. So they feel, in a way, somehow left out or powerless. So, but the thing is, if you look at the world and how many businesses are out there, majority of companies that exist in the world are actually small to medium-sized businesses. <laughs> and they are not necessarily the famous ones, mm. but they are making and driving the economy um, everywhere. So when, then another thing, another thing to look at is that when we think about NGOs and the charitable causes or social enterprise or, you know, organizations that are solving some of the challenges um, in the world. Also, there are famous large charity organizations, but there are lots of grassroots causes that are doing some amazing things, but they are not so famous. So they are struggling to raise funds year after year, even though their work is creating lots of impact. So we um, work in connecting those dots together small businesses with a desire to give, but those opportunities that are making a real impact, like when we link those things, and then instead of saying education is the most important thing, or well, we have to fix the environment first, instead, like, we don't make any judgment on that, but letting people choose, letting businesses choose how they want to make an impact, letting NGOs decide what is the best way to make a real impact on the ground in the communities. And just by connecting those dots, in the long run, lots of amazing change can happen. So that's the fundamental idea of B1G1. And through, without that technology actually coming in place to allow us to connect these dots together. You know, it's very difficult to make huge difference, but today there is the entire online connectivity and also the web of businesses and the businesses are connected with each other and the businesses are connected with also their customers and clients, but those clients and customers are also connected with each other. So there is so much we can achieve by just tapping into the power of connection, but also um, you, through that, the leveraging and amplifying the power of small and small entities, small activities, the small differences. Yeah. The, the list of projects are, um, mm -hmm. that you have on, on the, the, in the B1G1 um, program, Explain a little bit about kind of um, how you go about selecting or vetting or how projects or NGOs can apply to become a project within the B1G1 system. Yes. Um, so I guess this is one area that sometimes, you know, uh, frustrate <laughs> some of the team members because we would love to have as many projects as we want but then in order for us to make sure that we have a great giving ecosystem we got to have um, right criteria and we also have to have uh, right decision making and uh, also the way to balance you know, things through the growth of the initiative itself as well. So what we do is like, first of all, for us to um, ensure that every um, giving will, you know, every giving that you do will actually create that impact, we have to have a quite unique criteria. And one of those things could be that we cannot fund projects that are, you know, saying, okay, we want to raise $2 million or $1 million to do this big thing when we have that money. We cannot do that. So um, no matter how big, great the promise is, if the giving um, dictates the few future activities and if the, you know, this amount of fund is not raised, this activity cannot happen. So this kind of project we cannot work with. Another thing is we require our causes to have at least three to five years of track record and also the um, audited financials. So that's why we cannot work with brand new idea or brand new project. And the reason why we have to have this is when, you know, when people said, okay, so if, 
in B1J1, I can give one cent and give somebody access to clean water for one day. So that one cent will make that happen. So we have a project like this. And then people might say, so how do you know that money will actually go to give water to one person for one day? And so our um, explanation is this, because if we are you know, going to follow that one cent and then go to Africa and make sure that one cent actually went to one person to give water, our traveling cost or audit cost or, you know, that, that, that would just take up the entire one cent, of course, and it's not even enough. So it, it, it cannot happen. But the thing is, if we are working with organizations that have at least three to five years of a track record in um, digging wells, and then as a result of their experience, they know the cost of actually building one well um, and then also they have a statistics around how many people on average or minimum one well will provide when they build a well. And then also they know the maintenance work that's involved in the well, how many years that well would last without too much maintenance. And so taking all those information, that statistics and um, track record, we then can break down the cost per well and then the cost per year, uh, a month, <laughs> a day, and then per person. And so wh when we do this and then when we are doing um, annual, our annual review, so we actually talk with um, all of the organizations that we work with on an annual basis and make sure that they are still continuing with the work or is there any change or tweaks or cost change. Um, and then also we will look at the audited financials and also report. And so by um, implementing this selection criteria and then review process, we actually minimize the cost involved in verifying the fund, fund usage. So, um, so with these criteria in place, it makes it much harder for us to accept the charity organizations, even though we do receive applications from you know, uh, many different causes and also our members and partners, uh, they actively introduce us to new charity organizations that they like. So in some cases, we find you know, new projects that we can bring on board through those recommendations and referral. But many cases, we are still rejecting quite a lot of causes or putting on hold or putting on wait list. But for us, like, it's about um, creating the ecosystem step by step and uh, not oversaturating the project with the same um, type of impact too, too, too much but waiting for the more businesses to come in so that we can then bring in more projects when there is more funding opportunity to um, bring in more causes. So we just you know, look at all the statistics and the balance um, when and how to bring in new causes. So it's uh, uh, quite a bit of work, <laughs> but you know, it, once they come on board, once we find the right causes, what we can do together is amazing. And we actually, you know, occasionally visit them as well physically and take a group of B1G1 members, the businesses, to see some of the projects too. I'm, I'm going to invite you to talk a, a little bit about some of the case studies or different mm -hmm. impacts that have been delivered as a result of, of the B1G1 um, initiative. But it, in, in the 12 years from your idea, to the reality uh, as it currently exists. I'm sure there were some uncertain times or some real challenges in getting everything moving. Can you talk through some of those or how difficult it was at different times to, 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 get, to get to where you are now? Hmm. Well, it, through the development of B1J1, probably the biggest challenge we had was in the earlier days when there was no really a no real awareness and for something like this. So um, if you think about what businesses generally look for, yes, like if you are providing marketing services or accounting services or printing services or graphic design services, all those things like make sense because businesses need those things and there are high priorities for them in order for them to grow and do more. But 
when we started in 2000, you know, founded B1G1 in 2007, and when uh, businesses are naturally, very naturally, and it makes sense, focusing on, you know, how to make more money, here is this business, social business saying, we show you how to give your money away. <laughs> and trying to make, run it as a business. Yes, of course, it's challenging because there was no demand. And uh, so that, that, you know, first three years, we were, you know, basically losing quite a lot of money year after year because we just didn't have that right financial model, like how to make this initiative sustainable. And there were people who appreciated that vision, like, well, like the world of buy one, give one. I, I, I resonate with that. And, uh, uh, you know, I want to do something with that. But then at the same time, how to really provide value because, you know, as a business, social, social enterprise. <laughs> so we didn't want to run it as a charity to say, please donate to us. Because if we ask the people to donate to ourselves, then we are another charity and we are competing with other causes <laughs> saying, you know, all saying, please donate to our project. So we asking people to donate money to us wasn't the option, but then how else can we make it sustainable? So in, eventually we um, figured out that actually if we can make things very, very transparent and then we can create the great um, ways for those businesses to, um, track the impact to see the you know statistics or a way to have um, a, a way to engage their teams and customers like all of those things like it was a valuable um, uh, way for the businesses to connect with their sense of purpose or connect with their team so um, we developed you know various different tools and features and and, and over the time uh, we became an initiative which runs through a membership and then um, you know each business would contribute a little bit toward the membership but we work on developing the tools and resources that's really useful for the businesses and then you know we might do things like conferences event um, uh, creating opportunities for the, the businesses to connect. So we do a lot of things. And to, so today for us to say, oh, it's a membership model. And then once you join, 100% of you are giving goes to the project. Then it's quite, you know, uh, clear. And uh, so many businesses say, yeah, I'd love to be part of this. But it wasn't the case like, you know, 12 years ago. Yeah. So there was a lot of a struggle, a lot of trial, lots of failure. We failed so many times and there were so many times we thought we couldn't make it. <laughs> and did, did you ever feel like, um, how close were you to, to giving up? Um, there was a one time in the earlier you know, years, maybe it was year two or something like that. Um, I actually you know, said to my team back then that I was going to resign. And it wasn't because of the financial, you know, businesses, financial challenges or anything like that, particularly, even though we were, we always had, you know, that struggle too. But that time when I said I was going to resign was because I personally really felt that, you know, I failed. And the reason I felt I failed was because at that time we were just really focused on, you know, making it work. And everybody in the business was trying hard to make it work. But somehow, we were not connected together. Somehow, there was a kind of sense of apathy or lack of uh, caring. Or So when things were falling apart internally, not externally, <laughs> internally, at that time, I one day I realized I failed because... I realized that the whole purpose of doing what we were doing or what we are doing today um, is, to, is to enjoy what we are doing <laughs> and then make a difference. So if this whole initiative and how we developed it became so stressful and so focused on how to get more, 
you know, how to make more money, how to get more members. And we were, fo- if we get to just to focus on those numbers and the financials and, but then forget the, the sense of purpose and why we are doing this in the first place, that was a failure. And uh, um, so that was a, you know, probably a moment that's closest to actually giving up. I felt like I failed as a leader, you know, somebody who said, let's do this. And that even the team wasn't coming together. So the moment I said I will step down because I failed to bring that team really together with the sense of caring and the gratitude, then somehow the team came together <laughs> and then said, actually, we got to, to, to do this. And, uh, um, and things started to turn around at that time. And, you know, um, about year three, we started to break even. And year four, we started to create a surplus so that we can invest more back into business and to develop. And so it's been 12 years and amazing 12 years. And today our team is still small because we try to keep everything really like lean um, and uh, also focused. Uh, so uh, our team is, you know, relatively small, but we, I feel that the, the team is strongest ever. <laughs> we work together really uh, in a great way, and we are well connected, and we feel so excited and fulfilled in what we are doing every day. So, and that kind of like uh, create a positive impact in so many ways uh, externally as well. Amazing. So, um, and when you say small, how, how, how big is your team right now? So right now, like our team based in Singapore, because Singapore is our main place where we, uh, we have the core team. So our core team is only eight um, in Singapore at the moment. Wow. And then each of the team members um, take care of uh, multiple you know, freelancers or development team based in different countries or designers or so all of us are working as um, like a project managers um, taking care of different areas and then we work with um, partners around the world so in terms of B1JY initiative um, this is a community and we, we call it the movement as well because if we try to achieve like, you know, 100, we want to make sure 100% goes to project and we top up bank charges as well. We also want to achieve so much. We want to do so much more. We want to create so much more value for our members. But we also want to make this initiative very easy. Like, you know, we don't want uh, to create something that only works for big companies that can spend a lot of money. We want to work with a startup or, you know, even teenagers starting a business. So our membership need to be very affordable as well. So to balance it, we try to be as effective as we can within our internal, you know, model and also team as well. So in a sense, yes, we leverage big time through our network and our members and partners are all business owners and the, you know, team members of those businesses. So they bring different expertise, skill sets, capability, qualities, and resources. And they are all willing to, to um, give what they can give so that it's benefit everybody else in this initiative. So that spirit of giving is really the key. And the more you know, our members actually contribute in their own way, the sense of satisfaction that they experience um, for being, you know, from being part of this initiative, it's greater. So we continuously seek opportunities to almost like make our members give more, <laughs> but not not to exploit that, but just knowing and understanding that, you know, empowering and letting our partners contribute what they can contribute is our responsibility. Excellent. Um, you you. You've talked a little bit earlier on about the, the projects and the way the various projects work and mm-hmm. the kind of the micro giving aspect um, mm-hmm. to, to all of those. When, when you look, view the website, it's all broken down, I think, by the categories of the UN Sustainable Development yes. Goals. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw somebody somewhere, and I can't remember exactly who recently, 
um, described the the SDGs as um, as a dream more than more than a plan in terms of like it was it was a kind of a wish list for everything to be solved by 2030. But but it's it seems to kind of fit nicely with what you're what you're doing in terms of every project will fit snugly into one of those kind of 17 buckets, I suppose. Yeah, um, I guess you know just like one pro- like all the big problems cannot solved by one solution. SDG may not be the real you know dream recipe to fix everything. But what we see in SDG is this common language. So what happened was for so long when there were problems, we thought it was responsibilities of governments to fix it or responsibilities of charities to fix those problems. Or So we were all kind of isolated, thinking that somebody else should fix it, fix those problems. And quite often businesses weren't included in that picture because businesses were so busy just creating their own resources and trying to maximize their own profit. But actually, if we are here today and we are seeing that if we just continue with the same way of running this world, maybe our world cannot continue to run this way anymore and we will all face the consequences which means then those consequences will impact our own businesses anyway. So if it's a very important time for us to act and act together, we got to have a common language and common goals and milestones. And I guess the power of SDG is that common language part rather than by having SDG, can we also, you know, can we actually fix all of the problems? So Bringing businesses together in this picture is so powerful. But another part that's important is that we don't miss any small dot, you know, small small businesses or small organizations behind. So by B1J1 incorporating SDGs and, you know, SDG categorization um, for a project or even uh, showing the individual businesses impact with SDG, you know, breakdowns. Uh, all those things uh, allow us to empower every small business to say, from today, you are working with global leaders and global goals, and you are playing a part in making a huge difference together and showing them how exactly how they are making those impact. So that's the power of SDG to us, that it's create a common language and even the smallest of businesses or smallest of organizations can play a part in actually making a tangible impact. Yeah, wonderful. Um, I saw some great footage at that event of some of the underground impact. If, if you could give it, if you could just one or two, a couple of examples of some of the, some of the things, the projects um, that have been enacted as a result uh, or with the, with the, Aid mm. of the B1G1 initiative. Yeah, the um, our partners. So the Wadi cause we call them Wadi causes. When they come on board and we select the right causes, then they become really long-term partners with us. And that there is a long-termness in it because um, recently I received a Facebook message from uh, you know representative uh, of one of the NGO partners and. Uh, he sent me a message saying, oh, this year we are celebrating our 100th anniversary. So this organization is a really long-standing organization, you know, 100 years. <laughs> and uh, But the reason why he sent me a message wasn't just because they were celebrating their anniversary, but they wanted to let us know that the B1J1 community of businesses have um, so far created let me check the number <laughs> it's it's over here right now um so um the one of the quite popular project in b1j1 is um to give access to e-learning to uh, children in rural, rural village in india and so because when we broke down the project into small micro giving um, units then Installing one e-learning system in one you know, rural school 
cost X. And then how many children study in those schools and how many years that system will run. Um, giving access to one child to uh, e-learning education cost one cent. So, oh. yeah, but, it, you know, you might not give just one cent, but one cent makes it easy to link uh, your business activity with the impact. So some businesses are doing things like every email we send, we give e-learning education to a child for one day. So they know like, oh, this month we, we, we sent 1,200 emails or 25,000 emails. And then they give whatever the amount they will give. And each time it could be just like $50 or $200 or, but these small impact accumulate. So um, what happened was that um, they've, this organization have been working with more and more schools um, as a result of success of this program because when uh, you know, kids in rural villages uh, don't have a quality education, what happens is young people all leave the village and they try to migrate to big cities and as a result, they become slum dwellers. They live in the slum and they, they don't have a you know in, improved um, lifestyle, and the villages uh, only have older people living. But when we give opportunity to young kids, and then they have an e-learning uh, education, now the rural kids are outperforming city kids, and then there are more opportunities in the countryside. And you know, uh, uh, we have um, farmers you know, growing food in a, in a more like a, uh, efficient ways and so on. So uh, it, it's, there are so many positive impact, but um, what they said was actually um, with B1G1 community of businesses, we have already funded, um, I think 40 schools <laughs> to have an e-learning system. Right. So, right. yeah, and then what's happening now is that now that schools have e-learning systems, um, this organization is now starting to build um, in these schools a playground because so then kids are much more encouraged to come to school and then also a solar um, power facility so that e-learning system doesn't rely on generators anymore but can run with the solar power. So these um, projects, and even though you think like one cent is nothing, <laughs> but this accumulation of this impact can have a massive impact and have a massive impact on the economy of the community and that impact families, that impact you know, the overall population and also you know, future of uh, so many people. So. Again, it's really just amazing to, to see what small businesses can achieve. And yeah. we get all these surprises quite regularly. So. <laughs> and and do, you, do you keep, um, do you, do you keep a, a, a tally? Do you have, a, in that example you gave in terms of the, for if I donate a dollar, um, it's effectively 100 e-learning days um, for children in, for one child in, in a rural village in India. Um, do, do you keep it? Do you keep a running tally or total of all these um, giving impacts? And mm -hmm. if so, what 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 are we looking at now in terms of what what number that's reaching? Yes. So uh, right now we are over 170 million giving impact. Wow. And uh, um, and that's very special. But then when we first started and because we from day one we had this idea of giving should be always based on the impact rather than based on the amount of money yeah. so um, when we started to create our project listing we were always conscious about how to list the project how to break down so we had that but then uh, to for us to reach the first one million impact took more than one year like one and a half years or something like that. And uh, um, we celebrated in 2016, we celebrated 100 million giving impacts. And then 2000, oh no, no, 2017. And so what happened was we celebrated 150 million giving impact in, uh, that was, um, I think, August this year. And then now it's 170 million giving impact. So 
now the way this impact you know clock is counting is really accelerating mm -hmm. and uh, that's because um now we have a momentum in the community because businesses are connected with each other and we have um, businesses joining through the introductions and also you know we are um, uh, continuously working on improving our you know, resources systems and so on so everything accumulates like all the improvements we make will accumulate more and more and more so this is moving faster but that also means then we can start to bring in more projects and uh, so that's exciting because in the past we had to say not no to lots of things and lots of also applications or causes as well but now like we can start to um, really scale together working with so many different businesses our partners so yeah it's Great. amazing congratulations on, on on those numbers they're they're just amazing um so before i let you go um the, the B1G, it's, it's effectively for every every business. There, there's no real business that this doesn't apply to, right, is there? Uh, there is none. And uh, we, um, sometimes people ask, so how do you, you know, like do you actually choose the businesses that you want to work or do you reject any businesses or uh, based on the type of businesses they are running? Or And, and, and uh, our answer to this is that we are not here to judge. Like we are not here to judge, let's say, which causes are more important. But then we are not here to judge what businesses are good and bad either. But then what's very important for B1J1 is that we work with businesses that believe in the fact that businesses with a real sense of purpose can really change the world. Because if businesses say, okay, if I join B1J1 and give, do I make more money? Like, because, oh, it sounds like a great cause marketing. Do I make more money by joining you? Then our answer to that is that that's not what we do. But the thing is, if you have an intention to make a difference, you want to do that, then we want you to work with us to make those things happen. And, it, you know, you are the one to choose how you want to give. So naturally, the businesses that have a different intention might not come and join us because, you know, it's a membership program. You contribute a membership fee to, to give. And so only businesses that really resonate with working together to make a difference, they will be part of us. So it's just naturally select the right type of businesses that align with our vision and mission. And, uh, and and then aside from that, we will make sure that we have a um, variety of projects that solve you know, challenges in different ways. And also when businesses say, oh, I want to give to a project like this, but B1J1 currently doesn't have projects like that, then we are always open and happy to consider going to a new direction as well. So this way, um, it's there. You know, there is no limit to to what we can do. But it's more about actually creating the right structure, right the criteria, and uh, you know, developing this ecosystem together with all our partners. So that makes uh, the real difference for us. Yeah, um, it, it's. It's an inter an interesting dilemma, I suppose, if, if you ever had an application from a deforestation company or an arms manufacturer. Um, mm. the, the thing is, like, uh, the question is, do they actually apply? Then if they do, then I would love to, like, we would love to talk with them and right. find out why they want to give, what difference they want to make. Because, you know, there are always different um, stories and uh, when we start to really connect through the sense of caring, then we find out so much more. And uh, yeah, so it could be like, you know, uh, uh, somebody inherited a certain family business and the business does this, but this person really wants to make a difference. And if there is some ways that we can link the desire to give and expressing that, that business might start to, to make different decisions in, Right. So, but when we are coming from, oh, you're running evil business, so you shouldn't be giving. <laughs> yeah, then we probably accelerate this polarity. So it's really about, you know, at least being open to understanding different stories and positioning and desire. And 
Amazing. Yeah, yeah no, it's really, it's really an interesting perspective. Um, so what, what are you, a couple of final questions. Um, number one, how, how, can, how can businesses get involved? What do they need to go, do to get involved? Um, and number two, what are, you, what are you most excited about for 2019 and beyond? <laughs> yes. Um, so how to get involved? It's very simple. So you can go to b1g1.com and then um, you can uh, join from there. If you already know, like, oh, I want to get involved, then it's easy to join. And for tiny business, uh, it's cost something from $1 a day, you know, for a membership. And then, uh, so that's what, you know, small businesses will contribute for the movement. But then once you're a part of it, then we work with you closely and you can give um, uh, to any project, starting from as little as one cent. And, uh, you know, so, so that's that. And then another thing about 2019, um, when we set out this year, we had three words as our theme for the year. And those three words um, are leverage, amplify, and empower. So, so leverage is that because for, for the last decade, I, I guess like know, myself and the team, we all worked really hard to try to make it happen. But then what we realized was actually for B1G1 to really um, meet the true potential, we got to really leverage the technology, but we got to also leverage the community that we work with. And that is to really amplify the power of these businesses and power of these courses and um, power of technology. And then to make sure that through that process, every person or every company is empowered um, um, in doing so. So really, like, it's not about us just doing it, you know, ourselves but it's about really bringing and involving the community. And then through that, we have a various new initiatives and the focus project in B1G1, which is really about motivating you know, and empowering our partners to do more. Because if, you know, let's say, imagine B1G1 is this entity sitting there and say, please join B1G1 and do this. That's one way. But another way is that businesses that are actually just doing what they do every day, We'll talk to their supplier or their customers and say, oh, we are part of this and we believe in this and just spreading the word that, that we, you know, the more we do that and make this as a mission for everybody rather than mission of B1G1, that we feel is the key to kind of going to the next level, which is to really scale this initiative so that we can create so many more great impacts around the world. So, that's 2019, our key focus. Um, Masami Sato, it's been a real, real privilege to talk to you. I'm, I'm very grateful for your time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where B1G1 goes. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been great talking with you as well. <laughs> <laughs>